Welcome to the Rising Lioness podcast on All About Animals Radio, a place dedicated to animals and all those who act to protect and advocate for them. Hi, I'm your host, Erica Salvamini, and I'm thrilled and honored to be here representing All About Animals Radio using my voice for the animals. Thank you for joining us for what intends to be a thought-provoking and soul-inspiring series where we discuss topics aimed at understanding the importance of the relationship between empathy, animal rights, and our peaceful coexistence with the animal kingdom. And now on to our show. Hi, today we welcome Chris Cavalier, head of research at the Beyond Cruelty Foundation, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire a world in which animals are no longer exploited by humans. Having always loved animals, Chris's earlier career focused on improving the relationship between dogs and their human companions. She attended canine behavior classes at Cornell University and worked professionally in dog behavior consulting and hands-on safety guidance for three decades. Later in life, Chris delved deeply into the study of psychological trauma, which was the catalyst for the trauma recovery workshop program she created. Chris became a featured presenter and keynote speaker on trauma-informed care and has been published in local and national health administration periodicals as a result. Chris found that human and animal trauma responses were similar in several ways and has used her study to aid animals in recovering, finding their resilience a model of fortitude that humans can certainly learn from. Welcome, Chris. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us today to discuss the importance of the Beyond Cruelty Foundation mission and your work with them. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be there. Absolutely. Um, can we start out with you having, um, let's just take a minute for you to tell the audience a bit about how you got involved with your animal advocacy work. Well, um, for so many years, I it, this is a, kind of a picture that a lot of people, I think, fall into. Um, for many years, I was working with animals, primarily companion animals, uh, uh, dogs mostly, um, and not knowing, even at that time, what was going on with dogs um, in other areas, uh, like... Um, dog racing, um, hunting dogs, and the cruelty that was involved. Right. So a lot of times not having the knowledge put before you, um, we just go on, you know, thinking that we're loving animals, you know, and, and we do, but we don't know enough, you know, to, to broaden that whole perspective. Um, so what eventually led me into getting very active in uh, after you know working with shelters and such I have been doing that ongoing uh, was basically I found out about the dog and cat meat trade and got involved in um, you know advocacy through the internet also doing consultations with uh, uh, adopters and uh, then doing transports and, and so on voluntarily. Uh, later, I, I started um, doing more on social media and learning more and going further into all of the deep, deep um, avenues of animal cruelty and exploitation. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I can absolutely relate. 
it just stems from an absolute pure love of animals. And as humans, we just continue to evolve, hopefully, and learn yeah. more as we go along and, you know, come to realize, like you said, we love them, but do we love them enough to be selfless enough to do for them what we really need to do for them? And so um, I applaud you for all of the work that you're doing with Beyond Cruelty. And um, I'd love to have you tell us a little bit more about what the Beyond Cruelty Foundation is and what actually what their mission is. Well, the Beyond Cruelty Foundation uh, was founded by Claire Smith and we're still kind of, well, still developing and working on um, expanding. The mission basically is a purpose to guide, to seek a world where animals are no longer exploited by humans, uh, where it be for food, materials, testing, entertainment, hunting, or other aspects of human society or economic activity. Uh, and aims to do this through three pillars of education, collaboration, and promotion. And so uh, talking about the piece we're focusing on today, um, education is, is where we've been doing a lot of uh, passing on knowledge, you know, and basically um, helping to, for people to see the immensity of animal exploitation and cruelty. Uh, collaboration, we're working on building um, a group, you know, with other people who are, have been doing this ongoing and a lot of the materials that we access are coming from wonderful organizations. Um, and then the promotion, we're really also wanting to um, support, uh, support, um, animal sanctuaries and indeed other organizations and as a foundation, uh, which is an ongoing process. Sure. Right. I hear that. That's, uh, that's, it seems to be a never ending process, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, um, indeed it is. Yeah. So, well, I, I love your writing. That's kind of how I found you and how we connected. I think that you're, your writing is incredibly passionate, poignant commentary on flora and fauna conversation, um, sorry, conservation. And your ability to cut right to the heart of the matter is, is always remarkable to me. In fact, you wrote the Beyond Cruelty Foundation's manifesto, which is immediately what drew me in. And it's what prompted me to reach out to you. In fact, it's so powerful. I'd love to read an excerpt from this now for our, for our audience, if you don't mind. Um, titles, thanks. Yeah, and it's titled Beyond Animal Exploitation. And we have the links to everything on our profile page so that everybody can, can go into this and read it. And it starts with a massacre unequaled. It becomes undeniably clear, considering the evidence, that the innumerable ways in which the human species exploit non-human sentient beings on our shared planet are having a profoundly detrimental effect on sustainable world development. In fact, the massive abuse, subjugation, and killing of non-human animals has been contributing in large part to dire climate disaster, threatening the balance of biodiversity decimating clean water sources and air quality, spreading disease, threatening sustainability of food availability 
and has long been a rooted genesis of moral indifference and violence within our societies. The aim of this article is to demonstrate how imperative it is to not only address the seriousness of this injustice, but to create laws to effectively enact change to curb these disastrous effects and horrific cruelties. We feel there is overwhelming evidence that there is no justification, no moral grounds, no practical reason to continue denying the need to fully protect the inherent rights to which non-human animals as sentient feeling beings deserve. Not to mention how cruel this is to preventing the continuation of a mass extinction of life, which could, which could reach proportions the likes of which have not occurred in 66 million years, yet would highly likely, yet would be highly likely to include the de demise of mankind. These sentient beings to whom we have caused such outlandishly cruel subjugation are long overdue their freedom from our tyranny. Chris, I absolutely love this piece as well as shudder from it and frankly would love to see this manifesto declared as global policy. This document makes such a bold statement that from what I get from this basically says that we, humanity as a whole, needs to change our entire day-to-day -day existence in order to continue our existence. So I was wondering, Chris, if we could talk about the dire urgency of this for a moment and if you could share what led you to write this manifesto. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> this actually piece was written um, a, a while back uh, and it, it actually came to me um, because when, when I first met Claire, uh the we had uh i was uh administ co-administering a thought leaders group on linkedin of animal advocates and she was asking after you know invited her into the group if there was anyone who had any material you know to to support the sdg 18 uh campaign that she'd started, which was zero animal exploitation. It's a, right. it's we'll a goal. About, we'll talk about that too. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what I was saying was that this is what started the actual formulation of the manifesto and putting, I always thought of it as we put out as animal advocates and activists uh, pieces of areas where animals are being exploited and how that affects um, areas of, of human existence and our, our societies and the health of the planet. And so having the bits and pieces, people don't always connect things together. And I always kind of saw that right when she said that, yeah, I see this big picture where all of what's happening with animals is integrated into all of the problems and inherent in all the problems that we're having today in biodiversity loss, um, the pollution that we're experiencing, a lot of it's coming from industries of agriculture, primarily from animal agriculture. And there's ways that we've, we put, you know, that forward and that people can see that, you know, when it's presented as a whole. Uh, and 
then the um, areas of uh, what's going on in the ocean and everything is just interrelated and it's so huge. I mean, there's just so much to it that I kept thinking if we could put all this together in one place, not that, you know, a lot of organizations don't already do that on their websites, you know, in, in sections and such. But I thought to have it all in one place, it kind of hits you pretty hard when, yes, it's pretty intensive. The document itself has about 300 links originally um, embedded as hyperlinks. Yeah. And so that people could read the text and then go into little by little um, more of that information in the, doc in the actual uh, see and understand the data and all of this was actually provided. Um, so it was a really big document. It was very data heavy having, of course, all those live links. And so we had to reformulate it um, into being able to fit it on a website and we make it more user friendly, which is always, of course, having your website very user friendly is an ongoing process. But the thing was, is that when we think about all of these areas uh, where in, in food, uh, in clothing, in sport, um, in medical, you know, there's a lot people don't know about that. Um, in just industry, you know, products, in infrastructure, yeah. where animal derived, we'll say animal derived product is what they say are components that, you know, this is huge and it's really decimating the biodiversity. It's a big piece of that. Um, we're over, we're over exploiting, you know, uh, so to try to pare it down or even manage the exploitation just isn't working very well, quite obviously. Uh, and to be continuing along these lines of uh, business as usual, and we talk about climate, you know, and how much is affected that way uh, through the fact and farming processes, you know, or just having that many animals on the planet, and we were talking about 72 billion uh, land animals um, that are slaughtered every year, and anywhere from 1.2 to 2 trillion um, sea animals. And when you talk about the land animals, they, well, you know, they're also excreting, you know, waste. And what do we do with all of that? That's 16 to, I think, 20 uh, million. Uh, metric tons and so a lot of it is going into the environment and that is causing more cascades of uh, ghgs being emitted into the atmosphere so climate is it's hard to actually pull the data together to have it be represented under the appropriate place you know where is it coming from and from what industry does it really attach to um and so there's, you know, there's a lot of back and forth about presenting that data. And so you see, you hear, you know, different percentages of uh, GHGs and a lot to talk about methane. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, cows burp and a lot of it comes out of the other end too. We love cows, you know, being animal advocates and animal lovers. 
but to force breed so many um, and then, you know, extracting so many wildlife uh, in so many different areas of anything from, as I was saying about medical uses to, to uh, canned hunting, yeah. you know, or trophy hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And so this just goes on and on. The good news is that there are a lot of alternatives and more and more alternatives, you know, coming forward in development and discovery. But one of the one of the other blocks is that they're not being they're not being integrated. You know, even though it's like in testing, you know, in in lab testing. Um, there's a lot of alternatives available and it's a big movement. You know, there's a lot going on within the science community about replacing animals because there's so much failure. I mean, 99% of, of uh, animal, you know, um, testing of, of medications fail, you know, uh, when they go to human trials. So the replacement is, is, you know, something they really want, you know, both both in science and, and in medical. But the, the thing is, is that um, there it's cheaper, you know, to, to use um, animal derived component that's coming out of uh, not just um, animal agriculture when we think of farming and food. Now, animal agriculture actually encompasses technically any animal for any purpose uh, that is, um, mass produced or mass captured, you know, in different environments for human uses. So animal agriculture actually covers, we call it the animal, a lot of, you know, one of the terms that I think is very appropriate is the animal industrial complex, you know, because it does cover so much. Um, the problems I was, I was saying is to try to finish that with the alternatives in, in those areas and some of those areas, the food area is going really well, you know, but on the other hand, there's other areas where there's a lot of problems with, in, you know, not enforcement so much, but actually being um, where they are, um, you know, implementing. <laughs> implementing these in protocols that they've are that governments have already set and that companies are just not implementing them so you know we're we're having a lot of stuck places um i appreciate you going into such great detail and length about the manifesto and what it is and it's great importance um really and one of my questions was actually going to be as a follow-up um, because folks are going to want to know that there are fact-based sources that you utilized, obviously, for such a document of a document of such magnitude. So yeah, all of the all of the links are still embedded in this document that exists today. Does are they not? Well, what, in order to put it on the website, what the way people will see it on the website, um, and we're we're actually uh, one of the reasons why it's kind of a, as I said, a work in progress right now, and it's been 
is because we've been limited as far as having um, people, you know, to to put the work together. I am somewhat limited as to being able to work within actually within the website. We have a web designer who is paid, but we it's been myself and Claire. We now have a new person who's just come on um, and we really need more more volunteers. I'm going to put that out there because uh, you, we really need more volunteers. Um, the uh, uh, as far as the actual references are concerned, I do have the original document, which can be uh, we can put that up uh, on the on our our links list. Uh, but in the website, um, they're, they're actually following a list of references following the text. Okay. Um, we, yeah. And so, but it's a good question to, to, to follow up. I'm glad that you asked it additionally again, um, because it, as if there's something that doesn't come up that somebody is trying to look at in the reference, they can always take the title uh, and the author or what publisher and just copy and paste or put it, write it in their search engine and be able to find it. Because unfortunately, a lot of information that we get, you know, sometimes from the industry itself is going to be buried purposely. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, that's a good way to do it because it'll come up. The search engine will bring it up. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, uh, the web gets um, scrubbed, yeah, <laughs> sanitized of anything that might possibly hurt industry and money, the money yeah. interests, which is what drives all of this. And um, you know, to one of your points before about how you know using animals for all of these different industries is uh, it's less expensive for them, but you know, in the end, the cost is so much graver as. Uh, you know, the, the facts speak for themselves, you know, we're Absolutely. down the barrel of extinction, not just animal species, but um, human, the human animal species. So right. this is a dire urgent situation and um, it needs to really seriously be looked at um, with a sense of urgency. So I appreciate all of the work that you have done and that has gone into this that you and Claire are working on. It's uh, it's really astounding. And so I wanted to get back to a little bit where you were talking about the SDG 18, the zero animal exploitation. Um, and for anyone who's not familiar, who might be listening now uh, with the term SDG, I was hoping that maybe you could just give a brief, you know, bit of information on what that is and then explain what SDG 18 is and why it's so important for us right now. Yes, thank you. Um, very good question. There's um, the United Nations um, put together uh, 17 sustainable development goals, which is the SDG. And the sustainable development goals uh, start with um, zero poverty, zero hunger, and go on into a lot of the areas where there is so much detriment, um, not only mostly well in, in our societies and general globally, um, 
but also for the environment and which sustains us. And so what we found, and this kind of dawned on me when Claire was asking me the question in regards to it was what, you know, we, we saw that these, that animal exploitation blocks in various ways, um, a lot of, uh, most of the SDGs, almost all of them, we have areas where animal exploitation is blocking forward progress. And so this is what we are presenting. Um, and the SDG 18 we're, we are presenting is zero animal exploitation. Now that's a big goal, obviously. Right, well, that kind of puts that at the top of the list, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, right? yes. And Let's the reason that up to the top is the top of the priority, but yeah, I can see, yeah. I don't mean to just jump in there, but it's in my brain, it just becomes a no brainer. Yeah. If everything, all of these SDGs that the UN writes and puts out, which is supposed to, you know, help the world, uh, uh, you know, as a whole, um, is being blocked by animal exploitation. You go down the list and every one of them are being blocked by animal exploitation. Well, let's remove the animal exploitation, which is what you're saying, right? A zero yeah. exploitation is, why is it so simple in our minds? But it's, uh, <laughs> well, probably because with you and I, we know much more already. You know, we're, we're keeping up with that big picture, you know, and I, you know, I'll, like in the manifesto, it says that the root of, of violence even yeah. comes from animal exploitation in our history. If you go back now, you know, we go far enough back. Well, we were trying to defend ourselves, you know, and had to find ways to do that because humans didn't have those inherent defense mechanisms that most animals did. Um, and so we came across weapons and that has escalated to a point where not only are the weapons uh, used to exploit and manipulate animals for human usage, um, but to a degree that's affecting us ourselves so devastatingly. Um, but also there's a link there's the link of violence from, you know, animal abuse to human violence. And the FBI even has a list, keeps a listing of animal abusers because what they found in their study was that uh, mass murderers started out abusing animals. Mm -hmm. And it's a pattern that's ongoing. And there's also the link with um in slaughterhouses they found that people who constantly are going through this fast system incredibly fast system of of slaughtering animals and they end up suffering from a trauma which is uh post which is perpetrator induced traumatic stress and that the studies found that domestic violence was domestic violence, increase in crime, um, increases in substance abuse and what related to that was found in these studies on slaughterhouse workers. 
So there's, again, there's so much integration going on. There's also exploiting people because they bring um, uh, immigrants in Ill illegally a lot of the time uh, to work in slaughter. There's recently um, a big uh, story on a slaughterhouse cleaning company that was using minors. I think it was like 150 or I don't know if that many, but at least a hundred, over a hundred kids. Um, and these are very dangerous. Uh, this is a very dangerous machinery, obviously. Um, I remember uh, a documentary by PBS, which is, is, there's so many documentaries that are just mind blowing and so difficult. It was very hard to put all these, um, uh, all these links in here because I had to look at all of it. But this one young man who was a young teenager had his leg amputated because working in a slaughterhouse. And he, you know, this is a very, it's the most dangerous, actually um, rated the most dangerous or most uh, um, injury prone um, work. So as I said, it's it relates to so much. It, it is all connected, isn't it? I mean, uh, the information, the facts, they speak for themselves. It's just a matter of pulling it together, which you guys have done. You have done in this document, which I highly encourage our listeners to take a look at. And I, I don't even know how you could possibly have watched all of that material at, from a standpoint of like emotionally gut-wrenching and how difficult that must have been. I happen to be an empath. And so I have to guard myself a lot in what I absorb. And if I am gonna absorb something, I need to pre prepare myself for it to a great degree. So I, I can't even imagine how how challenging that must have been for you. It was, yeah. it was, it took me actually a year. Um, yeah to do it all together um, because of that. And unfortunately, I understand, we can all understand because we feel it so much, people are reluctant. You know, if you start talking about it, and I certainly get this coming from what I studied of trauma, mm -hmm. uh, people don't, don't tell me, I don't wanna know. Right. You know, I don't wanna know how this piece of meat or, product came to be you know but that's actually you know it it kind of too right yeah it that is more of what we would say is uh you know somewhat of a selective indifference or more like um uh, willful ignorance, ignorance you know where people know but they don't want to know <laughs> Yeah. And I understand the emotional aspects of it, how draining it can be. Right. But at the same time, and I, I do too, I'm an empath, so I can get like physically sick. I can, I can actually get sick from absorbing the feelings and emotions of what's happening in the world and happening to others. But that said, if I can, you know, find a way to compartmentalize that and and still have the knowledge and understanding of what's happening so that we can do something about it. You know, have the self-awareness yes. 
and the higher consciousness to evolve beyond where we are at, um, then everybody can, we can all do it. We have to find a way to stop being willfully ignorant and take a look at it. If we want to continue existing, if not even just for ourselves, then our children and our grandchildren, you know, if we even have that much time left, like, let's be realistic about this. We're, we're looking at a really dire situation. So on that note, I'd like to try and, and end on a positive spin here, just because we are you know, coming near to the end of our podcast and the work that you're doing um, and the work that Beyond Cruelty Foundation is doing is just incredible. It's really to be applauded. I, I, I love what you're doing and I would love to have you on again in the future, maybe even with Claire to discuss the SDG 18 zero animal exploitation and find out more about where you guys are at with that. And hopefully you know, are you, you know, can you get in front of the UN? Are they, you know, willing to listen? Will the world hear something like this? You know, or, you know, that's, um, I think that's where we should go with this next. And um, yeah, yeah. If I could, this, this is, you know, two positive notes. And um, we are trying to build a collaboration of uh, organizations to do that, um, a coalition. And one of the things in the trauma recovery program that I wrote is having purposeful pursuits. Right. A good purposeful pursuit is if you're overwhelmed by an injustice, do something about it, do whatever you can. Right. You know, if it's changing your diet, if it's, you know, reading labels to find out, you know, and learning more, always learning more. Uh, and being able to take action, this is where you can relieve a lot of that distress. Absolutely. That's what I've chosen to do. That's why I'm doing this volunteer podcast, just to feel like I'm doing something. And I guess that's why you chose to go into the work you're doing. And I think it's, uh, if everybody, I mean, even just forwarding this information to your social networks, that's doing something. It can make you feel good about, um, you know, paying it forward doing something to make a difference in the world. And that is what we're all doing here, what we're doing here today, what um, you know, Beyond Cruelty is doing. That's what uh, All About Animals Radio is doing. And on that note, Chris, I just wanna say thank you so much for your invaluable dedication and wealth of knowledge in the fields of wildlife conservation and ecosystem restoration advocacy. Um, please keep doing your good work. We need you more than ever. And um, folks, everybody listening, please check out the All About Animals radio website and YouTube channel where you can also hear from many other animal advocates striving to make this world a better place for the greater good. And if you would like our videos, write us a review, share our work with your networks. That helps bring awareness to the important movement that is uh, the animal liberation movement. And your, you can view and support the Beyond Cruelty Foundation's mission um, by checking out their links and the manifesto. Everything will be attached to our profile. All the links can be found there. And Chris, I just wanna thank you again. I really hope we can do this again in the future and maybe to talk further about SDG 18. Please know that you've got a standing invitation always as a welcome guest on the Rising Lioness podcast and with All About Animals Radio. And uh, 
until next time, oh. I just want to say thank you so much. You're thank so, you. You're so appreciated. And folks, thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. Namaste. This has been Erica Salvamini for the Rising Lioness podcast on All About Animals Radio. A special thank you to Chris Corley for generously lending us his song, Zero Gravity, for the Rising Lioness podcast theme. Please take a moment to write a review for our show as it helps others to find us. Please also support our guests and their work, All About Animals Radio, and our social networks. Doing this further supports the animals and their advocates too, thereby making you an Animal Kingdom warrior also. You can find our links on the Rising Lioness podcast page. Until next time, in the words of Sharon Nunez, Animal Equality President, remember this, the small actions of one passionate individual can create a butterfly effect leading to a movement that has the power to change the world. Please use your voice for the animals today.